going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, and this is FlixFix. And we're going to do another two in one. Uh, not too long ago, I did my reaction to Cocaine Bear, and I threw on a trailer reaction for The Strays. Uh, Kill two birds with one stone. Going to do that the same here. Going to talk about the Marvel's teaser trailer that just came out uh, this week. Now, I'm, I'm a couple days late, but it is what it is. And then we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about The Pope's Exorcist, which I actually saw tonight. I'm going to start with the Marvel's trailer, because that's the one that's probably going to make me unpopular. So let's get that out of the way. Um, there's not too much of it. Um, all you've really got from the from the first trailer, I mean, it's the MCU, it's Marvel, it has a built-in audience, and that built-in audience includes me. I mean, hell, I watched the Ant-Man movies. Um, of course, there's a lot of, of conversation over the past week of anybody... Not liking this movie is immediately problematic and sexist and toxic and all those types of things. So uh, let's let's steer away from that conversation a little bit and break down what we saw in the trailer. And what we see in the beginning is Nick Fury, who we haven't seen in a long time, on the sword station. Um, the sword station, which I think we saw at the end of either... Far From Home or No Way Home, where he's been since the blip, uh, hanging out with the with the Skrulls and whatnot. Now, they're calling it the Saber Station, and me not being familiar with the comics. As you guys know, I always come at you uh, hard on my sleeve. You guys know how I treat comic book movies. I love the MCU. I don't read comics. I want to absorb the MCU for as great as it is as a movie-going experience. So when I say I don't know something... Don't roll your eyes at me, because I intentionally don't know something. Uh, but yeah, they're calling it the Saber Station instead of the Sword Station, so I'm assuming that's sort of like his little project, his little vehicle within Sword. Maybe I'm wrong. He's talking to Monica Rambeau, who's going to some sort of jump point in space until she turns into Miss Marvel, and all of a sudden Miss Marvel is the one floating in a spacesuit outside the Saber station, and first of all she's freaking out because she's in space, second of all she sees Nick Fury and immediately starts fangirling and asks if it's, a, if it's an Avengers test and whatever, and then Nick Fury, who is perpetually, like, sick of his shit in his life, says, where's Rambo? We switch over to Rambo, who has switched places with Captain Marvel. She's in some random battle on some random planet with what I'm assuming are evil scrolls. And then the last piece of the puzzle becomes, where's Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel, as you know, if you watched Miss Marvel, ended up in Miss Marvel's closet at the end of the show on Disney+. Plus. So the whole thing is, is somehow their powers are entangled. We know Monica Rambeau can, uh, can uh, manipulate and reflect energy. Um, Captain Marvel is one of the most powerful beings in the MCU. And Miss Marvel has her thing where she can, like, um, materialize energy into, like, physical things. There's probably a word for that that I'm not thinking of right now, but somehow their powers are entangled, and every time they try to use their powers, they end up switching places, which leads to a lot of, I'm assuming, really funny stuff at, at uh, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel's house, as her family tries to wrap their heads around things, because every time they switch places, there's somebody new in their house. Now, 
The one bringing this all together is Nick Fury, which means one of the anchors of the movie is going to be Samuel L. Jackson, which I think is awesome. A lot of people won't like that because they'll say he's stealing focus and whatever, but Samuel L. Jackson is kind of a big deal. He's going to steal focus no matter what he's in. Being on the Sabre Station and knowing what we know now from the first Captain Marvel movie, they had the Flurkin on there as well, which is basically like little cuddly cat until it turns into like alien predator here has some tentacles monster that ate the tesseract and sort of rewrote the history of the mcu in that one movie but that's fine we got the flurkin back at the end of the trailer you see a bunch of little kittens which makes you think that there is a whole herd of flurkins and basically the rest of the trailer which as i say is very short i'm watching the cut of the trailer and i, I will say it as i always do shout out to emergency awesome who did his own breakdown of this trailer uh, but he usually tacks his the trailer onto the beginning of his analysis videos, so I'm watching it through that. So if that's not the trailer, or if I'm missing something, or if it's a condensed version of the trailer, I'm sorry. But that's basically it. The rest of it is all weird, odd couple stuff between the three ladies. Which is fine, except it's everything that we've seen before. It's absolutely everything that we've seen before. Um, when we brought the original Avengers team together, they fought each other, they fought each other, they argued, they, they went back and forth, they had civil war before they actually formed into a proper team. We've seen that. We've got, uh, you know, one young kid who's fangirling over potentially being an Avenger and two sort of reluctant mentor-type uh, mentor figures in uh, Photon and... Uh, and uh, Captain Marvel. Sorry, my words are escaping me a little bit. What does that remind you of? That reminds you of Spider-Man and Iron Man, but I mean, by the time we got to Spider-Man and Iron Man, we'd seen Iron Man in like a bajillion MCU movies, and there was depth to that character, and I'm not saying there's not depth to Captain Marvel, we're gonna get there in a second, but she's had one movie and been in one other movie. It is not, it's not the same Ban the, the whole bantery team thing that's eventually going to come together in the end when we see who the big baddie is has been done to death. The whole reluctant mentor-student thing has been done to death. And because, you know, coming off of, like, everything post-Endgame, we're, uh, we're going in a, in a new direction in, uh, in the new uh, trio of phases of 4, 5, and 6 where we get to... Uh, I think we're, we're building towards Avengers uh, Secret Invasion and, Inv and Avengers Kang Dynasty uh, at the tail end of Phase 6, but we know that there's a lot of passing of the torch stuff going on, and obviously from Captain Marvel to Miss Marvel there's going to be a bit of that as well, but it's not much of a torch because she's had one movie. Um, we got, the on, on the Hawkeye series, we got the new Hawkeye um, through WandaVision and... Uh, through uh, Multiverse of Madness, we've had multiple occurrences of Wanda's kids who are eventually going to be young adventures. We've already had the torch passed, for better or for worse, to the next Captain uh, Captain America. The um, you know we've got Ironheart, which is the spiritual successor to Iron Man. So you've got the whole idea of next generation, which is already being done to death. You've got the whole mentor student thing, which has already been done. You've already got the reluctant team thing that they've done with the Avengers a bunch of times, and the Guardians. If you go back to the first Guardians movie, it's exactly the same thing. So it's all the things that we've already done crammed into one movie, and that 
that's not great. Let me be let me be very clear about this. I want this to be good. I am not shitting on this movie in the sense of like, oh my god, they shouldn't even be doing it. I really want it to be good, and I really doubt that it will be. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't like any of the Ant-Man movies. I, I don't like any of the Ant-Man movies because they're genuinely lame, and Paul Rudd's not my guy. Um, the go back to the original trilogy of Captain America movies. They're very well-made movies, but I don't give a shit about Captain America. Um, in retrospect, you go back to the very first Thor movie, it's not very good either. What's the difference between all those and this? We throw in the absolutely ugly monkey wrench of identity politics. And the thing is, I wanted Thor to be good. I want to look back fondly on Thor. Uh, I just don't like the Captain America character, so that's not really going to change. I wish I liked Paul Rudd, because he's the kind of comedy that I should like. It just hits me the wrong way. Um, what's, what's really setting me up to think that this is going to fall on its face is all of those repeated tropes uh, that I just mentioned that have been repeated and are not tired suddenly because they're in this movie. They're already tired like the odd the odd couple tag team the you know the bickering between uh say star lord and thor is funny because they do it for a couple of minutes and then they get on with the movie or they do it and that's all he's there for in the entire movie and he fucks off and thor goes and does love and thunder stuff love and thunder was fucking awesome i will not hear a bad word about love and thunder um but there's that there's 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 the overwhelming feeling of nothing new. There's the overwhelming feeling that the most engaging character in this is debatably a side character in Nick Fury. And once again, that's just because Nick Fury has been embedded in this franchise since the beginning, so he's got a long, uh, a long thread of relation with the people watching the movies, which is kind of an unfair comparison, I know. And then you've got all these tired tropes, and let me be real for a second. They're bringing together these three strong female characters, which is awesome. Let's do that. Don't make it as cringe as the end of Endgame was. If you want me to, I will. Put it down in the comment section below. I will tell you why that little uh, everybody comes together all of a sudden out of nowhere makes absolutely no fucking sense moment at the end of Endgame doesn't make any sense. Put it down in the comment section. I will make a separate pod for that. And ultimately, it's all of them flipping the bird to, to Spider-Man who then goes on to almost die and then lose his mentor, which is really, really sad. But even if all that was brand new, even if we weren't burnt out on the whole odd couple team type thing, if you're going to build a strong team, you have to have strong parts. Listen to what I'm saying before you freak out. Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, as far as the televised slash movie things that we've gotten so far, as I say, being very specific, not based on comics, not based on previous cartoons, based on what the MCU is doing right now. Kamala Khan came from a straight-to-TV miniseries that was more or less for kids. Let's be real. It was, it was fine for what it was, but that's about it. Monica Rambeau, I would love to see more cool shit from her. She was a side character in somebody else's show cool character, but not yet been presented in such a way that I'm supposed to think that she's front and center. Now, again, 
change that. I want this movie to change my mind on that. I want this movie to change my mind on Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel as well. On the other side of the coin, you've got uh, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, who I have nothing against at all, other than she did her absolute goddamn best in her own performance within a really bad movie. Brie Larson, as Captain Marvel, was great. The movie that they built around her was shit. Oh, yes. Um, so, I'm interested to see if she gets herself into a better movie, which makes me kind of not want to pay attention to the other two, because the other two, I've already got sort of... Uh, you're a side character, you're a side character, and the main character, I hope, is going to get a better vehicle. Now, all of that, all of that is me wanting the best, expecting the worst, and not wanting to be disappointed. And I'm sorry, the other part of that is, as well as there's other things that I'm looking more forward to. I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion. I'm looking forward to Season 2 of Moon Knight. I'm looking forward to the, the closing of the Guardians trilogy. I'm still on a high from Thor Love and Thunder, which is why I haven't lingered too long on the fact that Ant-Man 3 was relatively disappointing. Um, I really want this to be good. I want to come out of this movie thinking Kamala Khan is not just a character for kids. I want to come out of this movie thinking that Photon uh, Monica Rambeau is not just a side character. I want to come out of this movie thinking that they've built a movie that Brie Larson's performance deserves around her. I want to. I want these characters to be elevated to such a degree that Nick Fury, who's kind of a side character, actually feels like a side character. I want all that to be true. I want this movie to be good. At this movie, at first glance, at this first little snippet of a trailer, and sort of a, here's the concept, speculate away, I don't think we're quite there yet, which is kind of a bummer, because I'm sort of, I'm already in the MCU trap, so I'm going to watch it anyway. Once again, I watched the third Ant-Man, despite all my better judgment. So I'm already in the, I'm already in the MCU quicksand. I hope it's worth my while. That's a really downplayed way for me to uh, be talking about a film series that I like, so I'm going to raise my spirits in just a second, and we're going to talk about The Pope's Exorcist. Because, spoiler alert, The Pope's Exorcist is really fucking good. Um, I mean, if it's up your street, it's up your street. If it's not up your street, it's not going to be up your street. Um, I think... Even within the realm of horror movies and fucked up movies and whatever, I think movies that deal with possession and, you know, Catholicism and exorcism and all that kind of thing are a niche within a niche. So if it's your thing, it's your thing. Uh, if it's not your thing, then you're probably not listening to this half of the pod, which is absolutely fine. By the way, uh, please be sure to leave a comment and let me know what you think about the Marvels. <laughs> are you looking forward to that? It looks a little bit more colorful than this was. Um, I'm going to say right off the bat, Russell Crowe is fucking fantastic in this, considering the last time I saw Russell Crowe, he was a very comical Zeus in uh, in Thor Love and Thunder. This is uh, this is well away away from, from that. Um... I say I like possession movies. Now, I'm not going to delve into this too much because it's sort of besides the point. I'm not a particularly religious person. went to church when I was a kid. My family still goes to church and whatnot. But the fact that I, I, I kind of, I find the whole 
possession, exorcism, you know, bring in the exorcist, bring in the priest, fight the demons thing and all that kind of thing, has nothing to do with me having any any attachment to any particular religion, and I'm definitely not Catholic. Um, but it provides a structure, like any other horror movie needs. Um, Freddy Krueger, his powers are specific. Don't fall asleep. He'll get you in your dreams. He'll kill you in his dreams. Vampires, they bite you. You become a vampire. Zombies, similar thing. Um, alien, they're going to lay an egg in you. You're going to live for a little while, and then you're going to fucking chest burst. It's going to be fucking fantastic. It's, it's just another structure, and I find it interesting in the sense of you're not fighting an enemy. You're trying to push an enemy out of a loved one. <laughs> Um, so the moral stuff that comes with that and the sadness that comes with that, quite honestly, because I mean, usually it's, I mean, the exorcist was, is, is the primary one, which I have to go see again to my great shame. Um, but for the most part, it's, um, a lot of the stories are about, about kids and about, you know, <coughs> sorry, parents that just want their kids back. So it, there's that whole built-in sadness of my my kid is suffering, my kid is being taken from me, and I can't do anything about it. I have to leave it in somebody else's hands. I have to be a spectator, uh, etc. But there's also, with the with the Exorcist characters, and Russell Crowe's uh, Exorcist, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, it's Amor it's A-M-O-R-T-H, so it's either Amorth or Amorte. Uh, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. If you've been following my videos this week, I'm having a really bad week for pronouncing names. But um, from their point of view, they know that they are the outsider. They are there with a purpose. You know, I am burdened by great purpose, in the, in the words of Loki, going back to Marvel for a second. But he's not, like, squeaky clean preacher guy. As you go through the movie, you find out he's got a past, he's got sadness, he's got, you know, metaphorical demons of, of, of guilt and regret that haunt him and all that, and it's layered, and he shows up, you know, with a with his flask of whiskey, and he shares it with the younger priest that's trying to help him. Again, going back to the MCU again, we've got that, that, um, that theme of Here's this guy who's, you know, he's he's Danny Glover. He's too old for this shit. He's seen way too much, and he's got a young guy that ends up being his helper somewhere along the way. But he shows up to this to this uh, building that's being renovated. It's an old church with a with a bad, you know, less than proud past, shall we say? I'm not going to spoil every single thing about it. Uh, but he shows up with his flask of whiskey on his fucking scooter. <laughs> It's Russell Crowe playing this amazing, um, this amazing exorcist character. Now, within the structure of the whole exorcism concept, you know, the, somebody's a vessel, the exorcist comes to get it out, either it gets out or it doesn't. They do play around with that a little bit by doing a little bit of body hopping, a little bit of, uh, you know, the demon's plan is a little bit more layered than what you think it is. And they do a big uh, flashback to flash forward history lesson. Hey, I tried this, you know, 2023 years ago. I'm going to try it again now. Um, they play around with it enough to make the movie worthwhile, but not enough to shake up what the genre is. And I think that's, a, especially with something like this, like I say, that's already a niche within a niche. That's a really hard thing to do. And I got to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, there's a side story where he's he's the old guard in the Vatican, like I say, very much the uh, the old cop that's too old for this shit within the uh, religious spectrum. He's the direct, he is the Pope's exorcist, as the name uh, entails. He has a uh, very 
cool sort of kinship, working relationship with the actual Pope character in the movie, who's sick, which doesn't entirely affect the movie, but it adds like an extra layer of sadness and pressure and wanting to, you know, impress your not your authority figure, but your superior, I guess, but he's dealing with younger people in the church that think exorcisms are passe, and, you know, you know, do we respect the old ways, or do we move forward to be more socially acceptable? Uh, I would have rolled my eyes, but they hit on that theme, and then they got off of it really quickly, which is really smart, because I would have rolled my eyes quite a bit. I want to, the other thing I do want to give a, a shout-out to, and you guys know when I did, uh, the review for Megan not too long ago, I really did want to give credit to the two girls that came together to make that Megan character possible. I really want to give a shout out to Peter D'Souza Fenioy, who played the young... Uh, uh, I, I'm telling you guys, I'm just going to give up on pronouncing names. Who plays Henry, who plays the kid that actually is possessed uh, throughout this movie because he has to play... Like, he's sort of a mute kid because he's got we find out right at the beginning of the movie that he's already got some trauma in his life so he's kind of mute he kind of emotes through his face he relates to his mom and his sister through his through his face and then he goes from that to a kid that actually does talk to a kid who's playing the actual demon uh i don't make this comparison lightly this kid jumping from being the kid in the movie to being the sort of puppet voice box of the demon very very james mcavoy in split in how different it is. And I want to be realistic because obviously at some points there's some CGI involved. At some points, uh, obviously there's some heavy, heavy prosthetics involved. But the, the things that this, this young actor who I don't even know how old he is, but the things that this kid does with his, with his body language and his face and whatever, they turn this kid into fucking Gollum. And I don't mean that they make him a little, like, animated gremlin with, um, what's his name? Can't think of his name now. The guy that plays Gollum, the guy that's also... Andy Serkis! There we go. I don't think he's a little tiny hairy goblin with Andy Serkis's face on him. But what I mean is this kid twists his face in, in, in pain, in anger, in desperation, in sinister... Ness, um, in that 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 uh, element of a bad guy that like grown adult actors can't get right half the time, where you have to believe that this bad person truly enjoys how bad they are to believe what they're doing. This kid does that, and this kid does that as some pretending somebody else inside him is doing it to him. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. This this kid, uh, this Peter D'Souza Fenoy, uh, F-E-I-G-H-O-N-E-Y. Tell me how the fuck to pronounce that. Uh, this kid steals the scenes from Russell Crowe. And I'm sorry, Russell Crowe being in this gave this the credibility it needed to get me to come out and see it in the first place. I'm not going to lie. Um, I said a while ago um, when we were talking about the Miss Marvel, or so the uh, Marvels trailer, uh, some, one of the things it suffers from is that there are m many, many, many movies that I'm looking much more forward to. Big blockbusters. Uh, the next one. I think will be Guardians. Uh, I'm interested to see what the Elseworlds Batman movies are going to look like, and I'm some a couple other big things. You guys know I've said it since I started doing Flix Fix again. I'm looking forward to Saw 10. I was looking forward to Scream 6, and I wasn't disappointed. This was not on that list. This is one of those. I'm going to see it on a week where there's nothing happening, and now 
I'll be perfectly honest with you guys. Um, when I went to the theater tonight, there's four movies that I kind of wanted to see, maybe wanted to see. None of them was really jumping out over the other one. There was this, there was Renfield, which I am going to see because it looks hilarious. Uh, and then there's Shazam, which is kind of eh, and Dungeons and Dragons, which is kind of eh. Dungeons and Dragons, mostly because it's not an IP that I have any connection to whatsoever. Shazam, because it's Shazam. Renfield, I mean, let's be real. I didn't even have to do a trailer reaction for that. The selling point was it's Nicolas Cage as Dracula. This movie, fucking fantastic. You got this young kid who actually stole some scenes from Russell Crowe. Absolutely fantastic. Want to send a quick shout out to Laurel Marsden and Alex Esau. Again, not even going to try. As well as Daniel Zavadio, who plays Father... Father is Ezequiel. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, fa Father Ezequiel, uh, uh, Julia and Amy, the mom and the sister. Um, they're sort of characters off to the side, but they do the job of being a character off to the side really, really well. Most of this movie is Russell Crowe and the kid. Much like I just did uh, recently the uh, review for 65, which is Adam Driver and the kid for 99% of the movie. And... If that, if it's that specific and it's down to those two characters and those two characters don't work, then you don't have a movie. But when they do work, it makes the movie absolutely fucking fantastic. I will say, even if this isn't your thing, necessarily, even if it's not your cup of tea, even if you're not a big horror movie person, supposedly, like I said, I keep hearing all, all, like, every little bit of, like, Twitter, Facebook, uh, movie-related stuff is 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 saying, like, 2023, 2024 are going to be your years for horror movies. And, I mean, it hasn't let me down so far. It really, really hasn't. This is really good. It'll, you'll, it'll feel good about it. And, like I said, niche within a niche. If it's your thing, it will be exactly your thing. And if it's not your thing, I was going to say it won't be, but if it's not your thing, it's they've at least done some interesting stuff enough with it that you might have a good time Anyway, I've gone back and forth on whether, <laughs> depending on who you are, I've gone back and forth on whether you should see the movie or not. But, um, I don't know, it was it was a lot of fun, and when it does break down into the very, very obvious, okay, this is where we've gone to special effects, this is where uh, every movie-making technique that we have at our disposal comes to bear, there is that tipping point, and that tipping point does come, and it when it does reach that tipping point, it relishes in the fact that it has reached that tipping point as well. Not going to give too much away. There's some other, uh, like, religious political stuff in there to dig your teeth into, if that's your thing. You've got a hero that's not quite a squeaky clean hero, and he's honest about it, and I think that's really cool. As I say, nice vehicle for Russell Brand. Really, really cool outing for this, for this young kid that played the possessed son... Uh, Henry, I keep wanting to say Harry, that's why I have IMDb in front of me. Uh, go see it. It's a good time. You're not going to regret it. You're going to have a good time. Please let me know what you think about the Marvels trailer. I'm sure we'll get more trailers shortly. And if we get if we get significantly more in a second or third trailer, I might do a second reaction. Because as I say, this one that I saw was only about 45 seconds long. If you've seen The Pope's Exorcist or you plan on seeing The Pope's Exorcist, throw it down in the comment section below. Let me know. Let me know what you expected to see and was it what you expected? Because I don't know what I was expecting, but I got more than 
I thought I was going to get. That's a ringing endorsement, isn't it? Kind of? Anyways, I don't know. I've rambled quite long enough, and it's stupid o'clock in the morning. I've been Spaz. This has been Flix Fix. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later. I'm rambling. I messed up my ending again. Bye.